Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are Has to reveal their livery and season plans Red Bull are hit hard by the cost cap Ben Sillian remains under pressure It's all positive in the Ferrari camp And Alonso is demanding 100% Oh my goodness me! Hello, my name is Brian Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds, where we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We are the Formula Nerds Nudes team, and you can keep up to date with the latest news by visiting our website, formulanerds.com. Now, I'm hosting instead of James McKenzie today, which is a new role for me. And whilst I'm feeling much better, it is Sam, who is feeling under the weather this time. Sam, how are you, mate? Uh, I mean, whatever you've had, you've given to me. We can't get a, a, a clean bill of health as a team. We yeah, can't. it's you know, it's that typical, you know, kind of. Oh, I think I'm coming down with a cold, and oh, there's been one going around. You know what it's like <laughs> this time of year. So it's just yeah, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, a bit fluey, uh, aching limbs, but I will be okay. I will live. Hopefully you will. Hopefully you feel a lot better soon. But we are also joined by James Phillips this time. James, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, yes, I hope you get better soon. Although I didn't realise you could we could transfer illnesses via camera, which I'm guessing is the only way this could because <laughs> this could have happened. But um, hopefully, hopefully we're all back to normal soon. <laughs> I mean, we can do all kinds of magical things these days. Science is just, you know, it's incomprehensible. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Well, before we kick off with the five biggest news topics, there are a couple of bits of news that we just wanted to let you know about. And it is pre-season testing obviously starts this month. We are now in February. And it will be broadcast on Sky Sports F1 on the 23rd of Feb from 7am onwards with Ted's Notebook at 7pm as well. So you can catch up on when the cars first hit the track for pre-season testing. And also Mick Schumacher, who we all know has now joined Mercedes as a reserve driver, will also be available to be called upon by McLaren for their reserve driver role as well as a part of their arrangement with Mercedes. 
So those are two quick bits of news. But now we'll I'll hand over to James to talk about Haas. We've got our first car launch. Except we've not. It's a livery launch. Do you remember the days when we used to have actual car launches? It used to be a really big deal. We now do livery launches, then car launches. Very bizarre. But Haas have become the first team to launch their livery uh, with their new sponsor, MoneyGram. What I really like about this livery is that it harks back to the old, the old Haas when they first joined when they first joined the sport. I think the last couple of uh, title sponsorship deals they've had have rather taken away their their image, if you like. Rich Energy, it was just like a gigantic billboard for them, and then with Orokali, it was very much an Orokali car with Haas underneath it. This car goes back to the, the to the lovely uh, black gray uh delivery that you that we used to and, and yeah it goes back to the when they first joined the, the sport basically and i think it's a really nice uh livery and it's going to go well for them and i think this deal and more importantly with the money grant money grant as a sponsor it's going to give the team a real chance to move forward now they're they're able to operate at the cost cap for the first time thanks to this deal and i don't think there's anything like, there's no sting in the tail like there was with orokali or rich energy so that's a real positive. And Gunter Stein has been talking a lot about what the what the plans are for this year for Haas. Uh, he wants consistency, hence why he's hired Nico Hulkenberg. But he, want, he, he wants to build on the success of last year. And he said a sentence which I think kind of sums up Formula 1 in a really basic way. Uh, he says... Uh, if you, as long as you have some highs, it's good. It takes a lot of energy out of you, the ups and downs, because you have a lot of these highs when you're flying and you've got these lows when you need to recover. That's Formula 1 in a nutshell. But what, what, what do you guys think of... Uh, the delivery launch, if we can, if we can even call it that, and uh, where Hass are going to go this year. Looking at the livery, I really like it. I prefer it to their 2022 livery. Actually, I think having the black along the sides and then the red rear wing and the front wing with the white font across it with Hass and MoneyGram, I think it just looks really cool. It looks sleek to me and more modernised than last year. But it'll be interesting to see what it looks like. On track, because I know last year I was against Alpine's livery, but then I decided it actually looked better when it was actually racing on the circuits. So I'm interested to see that about Haas. I I love the use of the phrase against the Alpine livery. (laughs) It's got a real bone that you had to pick with them. Um, For me, I I love the livery. I I, I take 100% that it's a very Marmite livery. I love that it, it looks like an early 90s Tyrrell to me. And... You know, that, that, that was a, a great livery, the, the black and white they had uh, for just a short time. But for me, it's still not better than last year's. I love last year's livery. I really, really did. And I know that I'm very much alone in, in that. Um, I think I put it second on my list that got me a lot of hate from McLaren fans uh, last year, my livery list, uh, which I will be doing again this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the whole car launch thing is a thing of the past, isn't it? Let's face it. You, you don't want to launch a car and then be the old ones out going, our car looks very, very different from everyone else's. Uh, so, yeah, this will be how it how it runs down from now. Well, sadly, I don't think we'll ever get back to having the Spice Girls at uh, launches because they did McLaren back in the day. And uh, I do miss those. There's a well. Spice Girl at... Yeah, I think Abby was about to make the same thing. There's a Spice Girl... <laughs> At a launch every season, James. That was a terrible example. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll use another one then. We won't have cars being put through a city centre that's been closed off and have a film star escorting it and launching the car for you. We won't have that again anymore. Point if you can. Point if you know what uh, what car I'm talking about and year. I don't. Sorry. (laughs) I feel like it is a Jordan. 
and Mission Impossible. I think Tom Cruise, I'm, I might be well off. I'm guessing because of the DHL link. Two thousand and two. Yep. That was the year with the DHL Jordan. No, what year was? It? What was it? We're talking nineteen ninety six. Benetton uh, and Gerard Depardieu. Oh, in see, that's Rome. why I don't know it. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was before Abby was born, and I was barely out of Huggies right. or Pampers. I'm not sure what my parents' chosen uh, nappy were was, uh, and we're not affiliated with either of them. Uh, and the brands are available. Uh, yeah, that, in, in, indeed. In fact, probably. Uh, own brand let's face it cost of living crisis um but no i was too young to remember that i'm afraid james and also i don't know who that guy is that you just mentioned <laughs> you heard of gerard Depardieu? i kind of recognize the name but yeah i can't tell you anything about him well talking about drivers we do know obviously k magan hulkenberg has now come back for 2023 and the quote you mentioned earlier james from steiner saying that 2022 was kind of a roller coaster and it was better than 2021 which was full of more lows than highs for them i think having hulk back with magnuson obviously they are two successful drivers they've scored points in their careers and i think having they didn't have a very good run with mick so having hulk and k-mag and having this new car that kind of marks the start of a new era for Haas, i feel like I think it'll be a good season for them. I think what they need to work on is consistency because, yes, having a roller coaster is better than loads of lows. But if you keep being consistent and having more highs, then that is ultimately better for the team. But I know Steiner said that they are working on just improving on the 2022 year's performance and just trying to make sure that they have that consistency. So hopefully for Haas, it'll be a good season. So from a team that has uh, that is targeting consistency and thinks it's in for a good year potentially to a team that is already says it's feeling the cost cap quite hard. So Christian Horner uh, from Rebel has come out and has said that the team is already having a significant uh, impact felt from that uh, penalty they saw, 10% reduction in aerodynamic time. He said that uh, we're probably 25% of almost of the way through that penalty. And of course, it has had an effect. It's limiting significantly the amount of runs we can do in the wind tunnel. And I think the team are just learning how to adapt to that and they become more focused and disciplined. Where, what what do we think is going to happen with the 2023 car with, with Red Bull with this with this penalty? It is, it is 10%. 10% is a fairly large chunk, but Red Bull is an elite, an elite operation. So wh- where do we think it's going to go with, uh, with Red Bull on this? I think it will have an effect before, but I don't think you can discount the ability for Red Bull to make gains in other areas to kind of, you know, circumvent any losses they they make in in the wind tunnel or not losses but relative losses to the rest of the field but let's face it this is almost common sense gamesmanship or common sense politics and media management from christian horner we knew we we, we didn't know and we don't know how much it will have an effect but what we did know is that he would come out and he would say yeah it's really really damaging our our preparation you know our development because if it does actually have a negative effect to the point that they lose ground relative to the, the teams around them, then, you know, they, they don't lose anything from that. He said, he said that's exactly what will happen. But if that doesn't happen, you know, they look great. So it's, it was, it was, it was always going to happen. Also, I don't think they want to let go that penalty. And why would you, from a PR point of view, you were, this is going to be the road you're going to take. So I don't think that was particularly surprising. But yeah, I think it will have an effect. I think it will draw them back towards Mercedes. 
And I think a lot of it is now on Ferrari's perform. I mean, if you're unhappy with the effect that it's happening, that it's happening, why breach the cost cap in the first place? Like, <laughs> if I re- I kind of hope that it does actually have a significant effect on them because then it is a deterrent to other teams and to Red Bull in the future to not breach the cost cap because then they know that the penalty that they'll get, the consequences, do actually have an impact on their performance in the season. I think it could be true that it is impacting them a lot, but I feel like you can't discount Red Bull from coming back throughout the season. Like Sam said, I think it'll bring them back closer to Mercedes, but I feel like Mercedes will take a step forward so then they'll be level and then it is up to Ferrari and whether they can either excel Red Bull and Mercedes or whether they will end up being level with them as well but it having reduced wind tunnel time we all know that the wind tunnel is critical to developing the car and having a 10% reduced time in it it will impact it and it's I want to say it's Red Bull's own fault because they did breach it whether they breached the cost cap knowingly or not they said that it was all catering we've discussed this a lot before but if you breach it you are going to be penalized and unfortunately you do have to face the consequences of that yeah completely i think now it's just the case as 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 we kind of said of assessing how how fair the, the 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 fine is for the crime and that is always going to be a bit of a kind of um a feeling out period for the sport because, yeah, they might go in a year's time, well, that was way too harsh or that was way too lenient. And hopefully it hasn't shoehorned them or pigeonholed them into going down this route in the future, knowing that it is A, either, either too lenient or B, either too too severe. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But it will obviously be a talking point, especially early in the season. And again, if it gets into a championship fight down to the wire, that could be the difference. It definitely will. And despite the fact that Horner isn't that happy with what's happening, he is all for the cost cap and said that it does help teams because they have to be so efficient and so effective in where they spend money and that because he said otherwise you'd just have a stockpile of spare parts that you wouldn't necessarily need and then that would just be a waste of money so that is a positive that he is still on the side of the cost cap well it definitely is uh the other thing about red bull is the rumors are starting to develop about ford making a comeback into the sport tying up with red bull now, we don't have anything concrete to say this. It's just the rumour mill. An F1 rumours mill can be it can be very reliable. Other times it can be not so reliable. But what's very interesting is the, is the head of performance at Ford has come out with a statement that doesn't quite... It doesn't pull cold water on the rumour at all. Uh, he said, Formula One is strong and is growing in both the United States and worldwide. They have great races and great competition. And they've managed to reach new target groups like things like Drive to Survive. But he remained coy on the actual rumour itself. He refused to talk about it. He said, we do not comment on speculation, but this is the case with all series that exist. Our responsibility is to study and understand them and then decide whether it makes sense or not. That's not confirming or denying anything. So I'm quite, I, I, what, I mean, what do you guys think? I, I, th- I think it's possible. I think it's more than possible considering the IP that, that Red Bull had with Red Bull, tab- with Red Bull powertrains. Ford could just come in and use that and utilise it. As we know, Porsche wanted 50% of Red Bull, which was never going to happen. But 
Ford could come in, use that system that exists and build a pretty decent engine in my view. I was going to say, I think the ball kind of lies in Red Bull's court and whether, like you said, James, they wanted to part. Well, there was rumors about them partnering with Porsche and it all fell through because Porsche wanted a bigger stake in Red Bull than Red Bull would allow. They wanted 50%. So I think it comes down to how much control and power that Ford would want whether they want to be equal partners with Red Bull or take a step back and not have 50%. But it would be good to see them back in F1. I think that is highly likely. I think Ford are sending some content creators maybe to the Red Bull launch this Friday, February the 3rd. So it is looking that a deal between Red Bull and Ford will definitely happen at some point. Doesn't it pose somewhat of a risk though for Red Bull? Because... Let's face it, the powertrain of the engine has been their weak point for the last decade. They have never quite managed to have that um, harmony or, or consistency with it. They've chopped and changed from, from Renault to, to Honda and then Honda leave. And then it just feels like the last year or two that they've actually found some kind of stability with it. And I think that's probably factored into why they didn't go with Porsche, because you're giving up a lot on a risk in that case. So yeah, I completely say your point, Abby. It, it depends on what Red Bull feel is appropriate, how much they want to kind of, you know, get in, get involved with, with Ford. And obviously Ford wants to as well, which is starting to sound like they do. But I don't know, I'm just not convinced it's the path of least resistance for them especially with the ongoing relationship they clearly do still have with Honda and will continue to have, I imagine. One thing that we do know is that the FIA president, Mohamed Ben Salem, has been in the news in recent weeks and not for very good reasons. He first became a talking point after he shared his thoughts on social media about the Saudi Arabian public funds investment bid to Formula One. He claimed that their value was inflated, which then caused tensions between between the FIA and Liberty Media, who own Formula One. And then he came under fire again after he ignored a letter from the House of Lords regarding his stance on Formula One drivers and their political views. And now he is in the news again for the third time for unearthed remarks on his archived on an archived version of his personal website that contradicts the FIA's drive for inclusivity among gender in motorsport. Now, obviously, motorsport is a male dominated sport, but women have been making strides in it. We've had W Series. We have the FIA Girls on Track group. We now have the F1 Academy as well, which is a feeder series effectively but on the one of the unearthed remarks from Ben Salayan from 2001 is I love the desert and I love meeting real people I don't like talking about money nor do I like women who think they're smarter than men for they are not in truth now a spokesperson from the FIA has come out and said the remarks in this archived website from 2001 do not reflect the FIA president's beliefs Now, I know the remarks are from a long time ago, but we have seen, not just in most sport, but in the world in general, that if a celebrity has made a comment many years ago that is now viewed politically incorrect or or the wrong thing to say, 
they have then taken a lot of abuse or been removed from a TV show because of it. Now, the Enceladium hasn't been very lucky, and I do feel that he is trying to strive for women in motorsport, but these remarks are proving the opposite of that. What do you guys think about them? Do you think that there's any truth to it, that his actions reflect these remarks? Do you think there's anything where he still thinks that women shouldn't necessarily be in motorsport at all? It, that's, it's difficult to say because, I mean, on that last point, that it, it would be pure speculation, right, to, to kind of suggest or kind of, you know, try and guess. I think what's difficult here is, and also, I mean, there was the Andresi news before. It's, he's, every week there's something new. And with this kind of thing, when it rains, it pours. And the reason why stuff like this is now starting to be unearthed is that he is sensationalizing things. He's making headlines. He is drawing attention to himself where he doesn't actually need to. So there is, is in some ways a consequence of those actions that is now playing out. As for the comment itself, let's not let's not make out and you know not that you did, Abby, but two thousand and one. Yes, it was over twenty years ago, but let's let's face it, that comment wouldn't have been would have been wouldn't that comment wouldn't have been acceptable in two thousand and one, just as it isn't in twenty twenty three. So you've got to wonder where the vetting is. Where's the people running interference? Surely someone picks up that that's there. And the reason why it's been found is because someone's either had it for a while and they've decided to use it at the point where they've got the most ascension. Or yeah, someone's just started to do some digging recently. It's probably much more the former than it is the latter. But beliefs do change. We have to accept that. And we do live in a culture where the smallest thing that people say online, I'm not saying this is a small thing, can be taken years later and used against you. But you've got to be careful. You've got, you know, and it was the advent of, of the internet age. There's all these different factors at play, right? Which is why maybe my point is so kind of convoluted and not very kind of straightforward. But yeah, I, th- I think his actions recently are much more positive and, and do show that there is a progression there. So I, I, I can't say for, you know, I can't say for a second that they reflect his current thinking, but clearly they reflected his thinking at the time. Otherwise, he wouldn't put it on there. <laughs> See, my mum gave me a lesson at the age of 15, 16, when MySpace, if you can remember that, Sam, Abby, you will have no idea what that is, probably. Um, (laughs) When MySpace existed, and she gave me one simple lesson, which was, be careful what you post online. It could come back to haunt you, because it's there for everyone to see. Prophetic as ever she was uh, with that. And my my, my view is quite blunt on this. It's it's simple. They are horrifying comments. Uh, It is from 2001, of course, we say views change, but in my view, anybody who has even an inkling inkling of views like that should not be in any form of leadership position because you can't lead, you can't lead people in a diverse way. Um, And that's not me trying to cancel the man. And the fact is these comments existed. He said them, he clearly believed them. He's done a lot. You say, go on. You're right. It, it undermines his position. It undermines his authority to lead on on fronts that promote equality. 
It, it does completely. And I think, the, and as you say, Sam, as well, he's and Abby, he's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons over the last few weeks. My personal view is the FIA could be, is, is trying to position itself to perhaps maybe take some commercial capital from Formula One, because of course it's, Formula One's worth so much big bucks now with everything that's happened to it. I cannot fathom how somebody has made these comments. They've remained clearly on a website visible for such a long period of time. The website is now archived, I'm guessing as a result of them going public. Um, and the FI is saying those don't reflect his views. And of course, you have his actions to go with that. But the fact is, he said these comments. We cannot get away from the fact that these comments were said. And I just don't think he should be in the position to lead something that's as important as the FIA when we're starting to make strides with getting women into motorsport. I just do not see how it's possible to continue like that. Well, Fred Vasseur, the new team principal of Ferrari, feels that whilst there will be discussions about this, he believes that once the cars are put on track, this will all kind of disappear a little bit off screen. It will disappear into the background of the actual Formula One season starting. I don't think that, I think it might disappear a little bit, but I still think this will be a massive talking point throughout the whole of the season because it's effectively the FIA going toe-to-toe with Liberty Media and then with women and people who disagree with the comments made. I think it will still be there. But this, this is politics and public affairs in the 21st century, right? in a world where you can give no inch, concede no ground, there's nothing you can do but deny, squash it, move on. Well, one thing that someone is very certain on is Fred Vasseur believes that the mood in the Ferrari camp is very positive. Obviously, he joined after Benotto departed from the team. And Vasseur has stepped into the role as team principal and he said it's quite intense. He has a lot to get up to speed with, but so far so good. And one thing that he did say was he wants to know the individual. So he's been having one-to-ones with a lot of the team, part with the people of Ferrari, which for me, I take as a positive because it kind of shows that he's not just there, oh, it's Ferrari, I'm the team principal of Ferrari, we're going to win championships. He actually wants to get to know the people involved. And obviously they have Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz as their drivers. And we know that Vasseur has worked with Leclerc in the past. But when asked whether he would choose a number one driver, whether there would be team orders, Vasseur said, I know both of them pretty well. It was important for me to understand their mood, their feelings, and what they were thinking about this last season's. But it is too early to back a number one driver. However, at one stage, I have to take action for Carlos or for Charles. I will do it. So Vasseur is not afraid to pick a number one driver at the moment. It is a level playing field within Ferrari. Do you think that there will be a time where he'll have to go, Charles, I'm backing you. Carlos, I'm backing you. Or do you think that the mood will just remain positive and equal and unlike what people would expect. I mean, it, it could, but all that means is they're not actually realistically in the championship fight if it does. And that... Bonotto's unwillingness to commit to one at any point in the season was, I think, a small part of his his downfall and the, and the problem there. So I think Vasseur 
has to be looking at what went wrong for Bonotto and going, okay, well, I need to do this slightly differently. And if I'm doing that differently, what are my options? And realistically, it's a kind of, okay, so you're not going to, you're not going to remain completely impartial. If it gets to it, you're going to go one way or the other. And you obviously just go which way, which way to whoever's performing best and has the most realistic chance of taking the driver's championship. So yeah, I, I think he will. I think it's the smart thing to do. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. What strikes me is how decisive he's already been, which is a marked change from Bonotto. I think we'll, we won't have the same scenario again where Charles Leclerc is going through Pumont Corner at 170 miles an hour and his team are trying to ask him, what strategy do you want to do? Um, I think one more, it'll now be the case of Vasseur will tell the team what needs to happen. Getting to know the, the individuals behind what's happening at, at, at HQ also shows a certain level of trying to understand how the team works, what's making them tick, where the weaknesses are, where the positive stuff is. And yeah, I think he will be a much more uh, certain team principal and he'll make the decision when it comes to it of Charles versus Carlos. Um, not to be a little bit of a cynic, but no team principal will ever come out and say, yeah, I've been here for a while and it's a bit rubbish. Um, he was always going to say it was positive, unfortunately. <laughs> but I do think, but I think, I think his actions speak louder than the words he's given. Whether they'll, whether, whether Ferrari will have learned enough lessons to sustain a title challenge, I don't know. But I think that they will be in a much better place and a, a bit more positivity and a bit more of a relaxed nature might, might, might appear in the camp if they're meeting their team principal, he understands them, he's sitting down with them and hearing their concerns rather than perhaps not feeling willing that like they, they can talk and being in a much more pressurised environment, which by the end of the year was dreadful for the team. Yeah, that element of uh, promoting within that kind of plug and play feel that you get from someone like Benotto, who knows the team so, so well, is that only works when the culture, when everything internally is working as it should and is productive, is fruitful, is returning championships. So this is why Vasseur needs to come in and play catch up because Benotto would have obviously had a head start when he moved into the team principal role. But also by doing this, he gets to assess what is right, what is wrong, what needs to change, so on and so forth. And he can start doing that decisively. And he's saying the right things. Let's now see if he does the right things as well. Exactly. I think Ferrari will be one to watch with Vasseur at the head of the table. But now we go to Aston Martin, who have the same team principal and one of the same drivers, but they also have a two-time world champion now joining their ranks. James? Over to you. So Fernando Alonso has come out in, uh, in recent days and has said that he he dem- he's demanding a hundred percent of Aston Martin. Well, it was always going to be hundred percent, not ninety nine point nine, not ninety five. But he wants to he wa- he really wants to try and drive the team forward. You even have Lance Stroll saying again. Lance Stroll is not going to say that he's terrified of Fernando Alonso. He said he's he's really looking forward to the challenge. He says it's no fun when you're just kind of driving around with no one pushing you, which I don't think is meant. To be, I don't think that was a dive at Sebastian. I hope sincerely that it wasn't. Um, but talking about Fernando Alonso coming in is is just fantastic, and I think. So this is this is Stroll talking about Fernando Alonso. He says, we spent some time together, it's just chatting and stuff on the driver's parade. He's a nice guy and a great driver and a big talent. It's always exciting when someone like him or Seb comes to the team and has different ideas and maybe wants to try different things in the car. And I th- and it's and it sounds like Vettel has learned it sounds like Vettel really rubbed off on, on Stroll and hopefully maybe Alonso can have a really positive effect on the team. His effect has already been told by several people saying that he's really working hard with individuals wanting to push the team forward. Where do you guys think Aston Martin are going to be this year? 
I mean, do, do you think do you think they can take a, do you think they will take a step forward with Fernando now that he's there driving the team forward, or do you think there's only so much they can do considering the car they had last year and surely the only way is up, realistically, surely. I think there is something about Aston Martin that drew Alonso to them. They have gone on for a long time about having this special project where they are aiming to be a championship winning team, not just a race winning team, but a championship winning team. And I think with Alonso going there, the experience he has and the tenacity that he has as well, it's no surprise that he demands anything less than 100%. He he wants to be the best. And he said that I will not continue if I don't believe that we can have a chance, a chance at winning and being one of the best. I don't think we'll see Aston Martin in the championship fight this year. I think it's too early. I think they might in future years, but I think they've just got to step up that ladder and go run by run rather, rather than try and get there straight away. They will take a step forward from their last year's performance, Hopefully they'll be more in the midfield and maybe battling with Alpine and McLaren, but they're not going to be right at the front. But I think it is a positive to have Alonso there. I think that's definitely a good thing. As Stroll said, having Alonso push him will push him harder and make him want to be a better driver. So I think it's just all around a positive feeling for Aston Martin. Yeah, I completely agree, Abby. I think the realistic aim is to get in the fight with Alpine and McLaren for at least the, the short term. And I've said before, in terms of that kind of, obviously every mid, midfield team has that kind of long-term project to get into the title fight. They will say the same thing. I feel like Aston Martin is the one that I can really get behind and I can really see that um, compared to the other two, being Alpine and McLaren. And I think they've started that journey already. You saw that the second half of last year. And Vettel was a key, integral part of that. He served his purpose in that sense. He's a very different character from Alonso. And I think Alonso can now kind of bring them forward, you know, help them develop into that competitive midfield team. I think the difference is between Vettel and Alonso and why Alonso might be more successful in this role is that he has experience doing it before and he's done it wrong before. He At McLaren, he dragged that car to results out of nothing at times but he burnt bridges and it was a really difficult environment by all accounts in the process if he's learned how to uh, approach that differently then it could be a really productive relationship over the next year or two so that's why i think he will maybe show results sooner than vessel did uh, and also as i said they've already started that journey as you saw the second half of last season yeah, agree. And Aston have just, well, they've got a new factory being built, haven't they? Sadly, the Jordan facility has now died a death, which is a very sad day for any classic F1 fan. But um, they're building a brand, brand new factory. They've got a new wind tunnel in the works. They're really investing heavy, heavily in their facilities. McLaren have only done, I think, I think they've got a new wind tunnel being built, but not much else. Alpine haven't touched their facilities for a number of years. So I think, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, Sam, I think out of the three, Aston Martin are the one that I think could take that jump if they carry on the way they are. With Alonso coming in, as you say, he's he's learned from his burning of bridges at McLaren. The team is really pushing forward with the new facilities and, and the new outlook and the and the increase in talent and from, from the recruitment drives they've got going on at the moment. So I think maybe three or four years they you might start to see them in the top in the top five or six. I think I think this year I'll put go out in a pun. I'm gonna say they're gonna finish P six, possibly P five this year. I don't think they'll they can't get much higher than that. 
Well, Alonso said he's ready to deliver something special from his side and he expects the same from the team. So it is looking like Aston Martin will be improving on 2022 for this season. But that is all the t- that is all the news that we have for you this week. Thank you both for being here and I hope I hosted okay, James McKenzie, if you listen back to this show, which I'm sure you will as a formula nerd yourself. Well, thank you very much. It's been great. I, I think you've done a fantastic job. Um, James McKenzie might need to watch his back. <laughs> Second did brilliant job, brilliant job, Abby. But Thanks. also, by James not being here, I can delay my new outro task for another week because I totally uh, forget. I was just going to ask if you actually had an outro, Sam. But, okay, we'll delay it. So what do you do for our new What do you do for the current outro, then? What do we do? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go with... Um... We can't even do that because there's only three of us. I can't think of one. Um... Thank you all for listening. Remember to check out formulanerds.com for all the latest news and keep up to date with us on all socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. We're on it. And see you next time. Thank you. Ciao for now. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.